Dreams in every country. Dreams, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. Welcome to the ISA's Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory with this month's podcast featuring Peter McDonough. Peter is the Director of Design and Science for the Kestrel Design Group in Edina, Minnesota. This podcast features his talk on leveraging healthy urban forests with minimum soil volume policies. It was originally presented at the 2012 ISA International Conference in Portland, Oregon. So this presentation is about um, as, as most of you have seen through the course of these few days here, um, soils are really, really, really important to tree growth. And I've kind of come to the conclusion as a way to kind of coin a phrase, okay? So this is, this is not statistically borne out. This is to coin a phrase. That there's, there's this old saying in sales that 20% of the salespeople are responsible for 80% of the sales. I like to think of the soil, the quality of the soil, and the volume of the soil as that 20%. If that 20% is in place, 80% of things will get better. So this is our urban environment, uh, an image from Orenstall, and there's a lot going on under our city sidewalks, streets, etc. And if, if I was to believe utility people, because I meet with them a lot, they would say there's no more room under there and there's no more room under there and you can't come in. And if you do, if you do, we'll bust your stuff, whatever it is. And uh, I remember I had some conversations with folks in Minneapolis who were with the cable companies and uh, with the, uh, the Wi-Fi, or not Wi-Fi, but a cable, cable access for internet. And I said, what happened when you guys were trying to get in? They said, they told us there's no room down here. So we went to city council and we said, uh, they said there's no room down there, so we're going to string it between the buildings. And, and they said, not in our city, you're not. <laughs> so guess what? They found room underneath. Um, in any case, uh, it's a pretty illustrative way of s s how much is going on underground. Okay, I'm going to show you a little video, and uh, Kelby is responsible for this as well, in a good way. I, let, I got it from... Tom Smiley and Kelby, and it goes, okay, so this is video footage of a tree root going through soil, and this is a bulk density of about 1.0 thereabouts, and this that it's hitting right now is about a 1.65 compaction, so you can do your sound effects. So this is, this is what it looks like going through 1.0, then 1.65. Okay, the next one. This is 1.0 again, and this is 1.35, which is fairly, that seems to be a number that, that 1.35 seems to work pretty well for bulk density, and that anything harder than that 
tree, tree roots don't seem to be able to get through it. So here's 1.0, and this is about 2 right here. Okay, does anyone think there's a relationship here between uh, soil volume and the size of the trees? M maybe it's just me. That's just the kind of guy I am. But it seems to me that there might be some relationship here between this tree size and this soil volume here, as opposed to these ones out here. So with that in mind, this is uh, near my house. And these trees were planted out about eight years ago. And you can see that they're smaller than they, than they were when they were in the nursery. So they've sat there in that compacted soil like that. And while my wife and daughters are going into Target to buy stuff, I'm out in the parking lot looking at the trees. And then this is a suspended pavement project. Uh, Jim Urban worked on this with Signe Nelson. And this is uh, in downtown Manhattan. And this is suspended pavement. And it's loam-based soils. And each one of these trees is averaging about 600 cubic feet per tree. And so 18,000 cubic feet for these 30 trees. And uh, I'm just pointing out here the kind of stem extension that we're seeing. And they were planted two years previously. Now, they're large trees, but uh, in three growing seasons, they've closed the canopy. They're 25 feet on center. So looking at uh, a survey of literature, in terms of volume needed for trees to thrive. Um, you, you heard essentially what Nina had to, had to say, and that she summarized it and said it better than I, I, I will, but essentially there's three ways of doing it. Field surveys, water requirements, and nutrient requirements. And you saw this graphic before. So if it's a two cubic feet, and this is a tree that's 30 feet across in canopy, it's going to have about 700 cubic feet or square feet of canopy. And if we were to just do a plain doubling, that would be 1,400 cubic feet of media. And the average tree is somewhere around this, 100 cubic feet, 200. And that's being generous. Well, looking at the, the research and If I, if I do multipliers on these and use that same size tree that I was just talking about, 30 foot across on, the, on its canopy, then I, I will get um, one of them at 1,200, one of them at 1,400. These are 10 studies. One at 1,200, one at 1,400, uh, four at 1,400, two at 1,700, and two at 2,100 cubic feet. So those are large numbers. And that's in, the, in, those, in those 10 studies. And uh, this, pre this one here was one that looked at quite closely, and that is uh, in Walt Disney World, they looked at 1,100 parking lot trees, and they knew how big the soil volumes were when they put them in, so they've had a chance to watch these over a fairly significant period of time. And uh, thanks to uh, Canton et al. for that research. And even though they worked at Walt Disney World, that doesn't mean that they're Mickey Mouse scientists. <laughs> so here's some of those numbers again. This one up here on the 2100 on the high end of the range. But, uh, and you can see none of them are coming out less than 1,200 cubic feet. And there's a whole cluster of them in the 1,500 cubic feet range. So we sent out a survey. And we, wanted to, we know of cities that have put these minimum soil volume standards in place. And we wanted to survey them in terms of what, what did you do and what is your, what is your 
sold volume standard that you put in place and what did it look like. And I have a PDF of the sold volume standards in terms of the numbers, the quantities, and also the language. And if you want a copy of that afterwards, just come up and I'll put it on a jump drive so that you can literally take it to your city attorney or your city council member, and they can take that, and that language can go straight into city code. So there's the 10 questions. I'm not going to read you through them, but um, we, had, we sent to 18, and we had eight respondents. And here's what we got back in terms of our numbers. So Emeryville, California, 600, 900, and 1,200. So that's small, medium, and large. Uh, Markham, this is Ontario, Canada. Uh, that's 30 cubic meters in metric and 15 cubic meters when they're in shared volumes. This is Langley, BC, and they have a smaller number, 10 cubic meters or 353, 353. In Denver, 750 cubic feet, 300 in Phoenix. He had wanted uh, the Arbors, the city Arbors Atkins had wanted to have 600 cubic feet, but this is what he was get, given in terms of pol from the policymakers. And this one is, you know, this could be anything, as large as possible. Uh, Fairfax, Virginia, just a zoning evaluation. Um, and then uh, at the end, you know, what were, what were some of the things that people learned? And what they all said was that no is not an answer to be taken first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time. You just keep on asking, and eventually wear, you wear them down. So push harder. Um, I know that that's hard for people in our field. A lot of us are introverts. Um, so just 10 seconds in the elevator. Here you are. Here's, here's, the, here's the policy, and uh, the trees will be much bigger and healthier. And I don't know about you, but I'd prefer to be working with resilient trees rather than trees that are basically on the verge of, they're in the emergency room all the time. They're on the verge of dying all the time. So here's our, here's our folks that helped us out uh, from, the, you see the cities, I'm not going to read them, but thank you very much to all of them. And uh, so Burnaby, this is a suburb of, of Vancouver, Winnipeg. Uh, Canada, Manitoba, Vancouver, Calgary, Kitchener, all in Canada. And here's the volumes. So that's about 1,100, it's about 1,060 cubic feet, 530. This is 8 to 12 cubic meters, so that's about 900 down to about 600, and so on and so forth. But you can see these numbers are fairly high. On the low end, we see about a we see a 10 cubic meters, which is about a 400. And then we, on, the, on the high end, we see 30 cubic meters. Small 300, that was one of the smallest ones. This is a th Florida's extension, what they're recommending. And then 1,200 and 2,700. Now, that's the first one that we've seen that matches up with what we were seeing in the literature in terms of the high end of the literature, 2,100. There was a couple of those. Um, and then here, uh, West Virginia, EPA, 970, basically 1,000, 750, and 500, 200, 450, and 800. And then a planting area to 274 square feet per tree. So if it was three feet deep of amended soil, that would be 750 cubic feet. 
Uh, Aspen, Colorado, so for very small trees, 250, 1,000, 2,200. Um, Chicago, it's a 24-square-foot opening. It's kind of like the New York one. It's as big as you can make it. And essentially what that does is nothing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, like an attaboy. Go, go for it. Um, if you do it, that'll be great. But because there's no teeth in it, nothing really happens unless they're forced to. Uh, landscape guidelines in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, 300 cubic feet. And here's some of that sample uh, text. And this is on the PDF along with the numbers. And so you can literally, as I said, hand that to your public works director, whoever it is that's, that's your boss, and talk about making this a policy for the city. North Oakville. Uh, Markham, so there's some of them with diagrams in there. So there's relationships a lot like Jim Urban's diagram of the two to one, and then the tied into canopy and, and soil volume. Here's some more. This is from Denver Forestry. Anything new or reconstructed, five by five pit areas shall no longer be accepted. Must use these various kinds of things till you get up to this number right here. Winnipeg, again, some diagrams. And uh, here's, some, here's some case studies. So these are a combination of, these are all suspended pavement and they're all growing in loam. Some of them, these historic ones here, are using a technique of basically sauna tubes with concrete and then a reinforced concrete planks across the top. So uh, it's a suspended pavement, but it's like a post and beam with concrete. And uh, I'll take you through those last, but we'll start with uh, Marquette and Second Avenue, and this was primarily a stormwater project. So the first three have some stormwater component to it, which helped with the funding of the project. So this is uh, 48 block faces in downtown Minneapolis. That's the Mississippi River, and because it was a new project, it was a federal project. EPA rules applied in terms of MS4 permit, in terms of the discharge of stormwater. This, the Mississippi at this location is impaired for a number of different uh, TMDLs or total maximum daily loads, uh, biotic, oxygen, phosphorus, etc. So they said, you can't do it the same way as you did before. We need you to do, use some kind of green infrastructure. And uh, this is what they ended up with. So 670 cubic feet of loam per tree. And they're in these vaults under here. This is Silva cell system. And as a, a, as a point of uh, truth and advertising, our company does all of the technical review for silver cell projects throughout the, throughout the country, throughout the world. So I have skin in the game. And this, uh, this project, this was the engineer's estimate to enlarge the stormwater sewer system to capture the one-inch storm for five and a half acres. This is how much it would have cost to dig up the streets and make the pipes bigger. That's simply to convey, that's not to treat. And by using this system, it was about 1.5 million for all of those trees, 48 block faces, half an acre, a little over half an acre of water storage underneath the sidewalks. It's, it's a lot. Uh, this is the Southeast Falls Creek or the, uh, the Olympic Village in Vancouver. And here's trees, uh, two and a half years in, uh, 
with the soil volume underneath this pathway as opposed to these in these small tree trenches. You can tell by the, the fairly significant difference in, in chlorophyll levels and size. This is in Toronto, and their goal with Waterfront Toronto, it's the largest waterfront project in the world, it's about 2,100 acres, is to manage the one-inch storm from all of the roofs and all of the hard surfaces in this system right here. So the one-inch storm, uh, why the one-inch storm? The one-inch storm in, in most parts of the country is equal to 90% of storms are that size and smaller, which is no less than 50% of the rainfall for the whole year. So again, one inch, 90% storm, that means they're smaller than that, and it equals to some, at least half of the rainfall for the year. So it's a very significant amount. The big idea here is that instead of digging up the pipes and making them bigger, because we've all talked about the climate change and the more intense events, larger events, uh, larger spaces in between, is we want to save the gray infrastructure for emergencies. We don't want to have lots of little storms filling these pipes up. We need to have them empty. And if we have them empty, then, and it's been taken up in here, this is the part of the storm. The first inch of the storm is the dirtiest part of the storm. So that gets treated in here in the soil, evapotranspired, turns into vegetation. And when the rest of the water comes through in the storm, so say it's a four-inch storm, the first inch goes here. The next three inches go into, in this case, Lake Ontario or the Mississippi River. That part of the storm, the water is very clean, and it's cold. So you don't have thermal problems, and you, you just don't have the pollution issues. So this is it being installed uh, along Waterfront Toronto. Um, these are two, three older projects. Um, this was work done by Tom Smiley uh, Bartlett. Uh, in downtown Charlotte, they did a suspended pavement system, uh, atomic Sween, in 1985. And uh, he'd heard this thing about possible suspended pavement and how it might work out better for trees. And, and so he decided to do it. And when they installed this, each of these trees, these are all willow oaks, uh, got about 700 cubic feet per tree. Now this is them, I took this two years ago. So this is 25 years of growth on those trees right there. Those are two guys sitting on a bench, so you can get a size of scale. Here they, here's how big they are. They're averaging 16-inch DBH, uh, about 44 feet high. There's the vo volume. There was 170 of them planted, 160 of seven of them are survived. And, the smallest ones that Tom found were 14-inch DBH. The biggest ones were 19-inch. So there was no little, little stems, little squeaky little trees in there, and these guys made up for it. They all looked about like this. This is downtown Bethesda, and this is a Jim Urban project. He used the same technique. This is 600 cubic feet, and this was also installed in 1985. So I took these images. 25 years later, and this is what they look like. And so you can see that the heights are very similar, different species uh, versus the willow oak in Charlotte. Uh, average DBH, again, pretty much the same range. The slightly smaller volume, 600 cubic feet. And this, is, this downtown improvement district has a special uh, fee raising. Oh, sorry, how much, Paul? Okay. Uh, 
this way to raise fees. And uh, these trees uh, are very, very, very well cared for. These trees get mulched about once every five to ten years. There is no irrigation system. You can see that the curb is raised. I'm not really sure how the water gets in there except through cracks in the pavement and stuff like that. But these trees are essentially the same size as these trees. And these trees, pretty much everything short of getting their nails done. They're very, very well cared for. But you can see that there's no significant drop-off in performance. There is a 100 cubic foot difference here, but so that, keep that in mind. And then this is the oldest one that we know of. This is a suspended pavement system by Sasaki and Associates. And again, that number comes up again. 700 cubic feet of soil per tree and 100% success. They are pruned and kept in this shape like this. And those ones in downtown Manhattan, the Lincoln Center, will also be pleached like that too. So they have smaller canopies. But this is what they look like 43 years in. I think it's safe to say that the system, more soil volume, tends to result in better performing trees. And if we look at an entire cross-section of a street from the face of the building all the way to the other face of the building, engineers have a, a life cycle or a lifespan um, that's called out for every one of those things across there, whether it's the pavement at 15 years, whether it's a curb at 40, uh, the light standard at 50, except the tree. And as you've all heard in, in the conference here, Skier and Moe found that an average tree was living about 13 years, average tree tree. And so we could have trees that are living 50 years. And to me, that seems very reasonable. I don't think that's an unreasonable recommendation. And as everyone heard throughout the presentations this afternoon, the trees really aren't worth much when they're little. But when they get large, Greg McPherson has shown a relationship of about, so a three-inch DBH tree is not worth one-tenth the value of a 30-inch DBH. It's worth about one-seventieth the value. So we're starting to see things change in orders of magnitude. It's no longer a linear progression. It becomes a geometric progression. So... And those are my daughters. And uh, they're looking at that water going down to the Mississippi River. And uh, they've decided, they're very smart, because there's, there's trees outside their windows. And we know from the research that education, or that learning in girls improves quite dramatically when there's trees outside their window. And our girls have trees. And so the, this is what they said to me. Thank you. This concludes Peter McDonough's talk on leveraging healthy urban forests with minimum soil volume policies. If you would like to learn more about urban forestry, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including the Urban Forestry Collection of CEU articles. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this podcast, visit the ISA online store and select online CEU quizzes. If you have recommendations for topics to cover in future podcasts of this series, please contact the ISA at elearning at isa-arbor.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode 
of science of arboriculture. In every country, trees, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.